Welcome back to the Statesman Podcast for our mental health special issue. On this episode, you'll hear from Julian Pessier, the director of the Counseling and Psychological Services Center on campus known as CAPS, as well as junior psychology major and vice president of the Humanology Project Stony Brook chapter, Amna Atif. I spoke with them both to gain insight into how staff and students are perceiving the campus's handling of campus mental health services as a resource for students during the pandemic. While Julian makes it clear that there are many options available to students, Amna feels that the school hasn't been vocal enough in making these resources known. Here's what they had to say. My name is Julian Pessier and I'm the Director of Counseling and Psychological Services. And so we are the primary uh, mental health provider for Stony Brook students on campus. We have a staff of licensed professionals as well as training in relative professions. And my job is to uh, make sure that we're running in such a way so that students are clear on how to access to us and get matched with the right treatments that, that will put them in a position to get the help they need. So what was your initial reaction when you found out we'd be going online? Did you feel prepared? What potential obstacles did you anticipate and how has the outcome differed from or aligned with your expectations? I've been finding it very interesting uh, in recent weeks when folks go back to the beginning of the, the isolation that COVID required. All Stony Brook students uh, will remember those days as well because a lot happened so quickly. We had been discussing and had had been ready to have telehealth options available. This was an active topic for expanding access to certain students. Um, there were just so many logistical issues that uh, needed to be worked out, but this has been an ongoing project to get ready. And so it was very, very interesting when classes went online this past spring, because on some level, given our interest in expanding telecounseling as an option for students, it really mobilized all the stakeholders that it takes to get that operation going. It actually got a lot of issues resolved that were taking time to put together. And all of a sudden we had all the backing and all the attention and energy we needed to get telecounseling platforms ready. Um, obviously, like everyone else, we were uh, anxious and frightened about what was going on in the world. But in terms of the operations of CAPS, it was, uh, it was really interesting to see how everybody was able to come together and put this together so quickly because of the fact that this is, was going to be our pipeline to being able to continue to help students. So the sense of urgency really helped uh, get the telecounseling options going quickly. And it was an unknown for us too, in terms of the technology itself worked very smooth from the beginning. And it isn't just the Zoom platforms, it's also uh, what it takes for us to schedule clients and communicate with clients behind the scenes. Um, all the logistics went quickly. I think that um, a positive side has been how, though it's very different, my staff feel like they can deliver effective interventions over these online platforms. So the immediate verdict was, okay, this works, and that's really good. Um, I think that one of our ongoing issues, that is an issue pre-COVID and pre-telecounseling, but now that all, everything's changed about how students access us, how they get to us, our biggest concern is does an individual student in need know 
that we're here and how to get to us because the numbers are comparable. Many students are finding us, but in our line of work, it doesn't just reassure us because there's a number of students getting help with us. We want to know that each vulnerable student knows we're here and how to get to us. And that, that remains an ongoing challenge and one of the reasons I'm so glad to meet with you all and interview with you all. I personally, I haven't gotten any kind of email or anything from anyone saying that, oh, you know, this is what we're doing to like help make things more accessible during the pandemic. This is what we're doing to make it easier to receive services during the pandemic. This is how we're making ourselves more accessible to students. Nothing. I haven't heard anything from anyone. And I feel like that's a major problem because so many of us are at home, but like also it's a pandemic. Most people know someone who's died, had somebody close to them die. Like people need services right now. So I feel like they need to do more. I haven't heard of any of the services. So if they are providing services, they need to be more vocal about it. They need to have like advisors sent out emails or something like that. I mean, honestly, I feel like we got so many emails from the university already that they could have easily just had like a paragraph included in one of those. And that would have made it so much easier to find instead of like having to go into their website, like call somebody and find it that way. Or even if they post on like Instagram and stuff like that, just something that was that like more students were constantly checking. I feel like nowadays we don't really go to websites anymore, but kind of just rely on like the social media accounts and things like that to get our information. I'm part of the Humanology Project on campus as well. We're an organization whose goal is to help reduce the stigma surrounding mental illness. So we actually kind of noticed that there was a lack of awareness about resources that might potentially help people. So we started a bi-weekly newsletter. And in the newsletter, we're going to be highlighting a new resource that people can access that, you know, is not necessarily Stony Brook-centered, but like available. CAPS has made moves to better market their resources to students. For example, CAPS has included their information on emails like Campus Connect commuter editions and general campus announcements. Though in most of these emails, the information included was just the contact information for CAPS rather than specifics on their resources during the pandemic. Some students though, like Amna, might not always see this information in the emails sent out. Amna hopes that CAPS will try to reach more students by sharing their resources through social media. CAPS is meant to serve students for a variety of specific circumstances. Amna spoke about her own personal concerns in engaging in telehealth while living at home. It can be really hard to get mental health services while at home. There's a few different factors that play into that. So first off, like the fear of being overheard, right? So in a household where mental health isn't seen as, as much of a problem as physical health, where people don't believe in going to therapy or getting treatment for it, just the fact that like the act of engaging in therapy at home can be problematic. But then again, there's like there might be issues that you want to discuss with your therapist or counselor that you don't feel comfortable discussing at home for the fear of being overheard or the fear of someone walking in on you or something like that. Or maybe you're just not comfortable talking about it in that environment. Maybe it's about those people that you live with. Another thing is timing. A lot of times, um, when people are at home, they have other things going on, there's other people around. It might be too loud to be in a therapy session. Your preferred therapist might only be available during your class times. You'll also have to keep in mind that not everyone has their own space where they're like attending classes or meetings from. Some people share a space. So that can also play into it and make it more difficult to receive mental health services at home. What we in the field don't know yet is how students are experiencing it. 
Uh, and this is the biggest challenge is that we're here, it works, but from the immediate transition to now, students having the privacy needed to engage in this platform is probably the biggest challenge when a new student reaches us, including whether they even sort of know and recognize to ask. We're the experts, we know what this work is. When we're in person, the door closes and we know it's private. Telehealth puts us in, us and the students in situations that are not necessarily completely under control, like the household they're in or what amount of space they have to actually engage with us privately. Now more than ever, call us. Do not assume there's not an answer because we, with every individual student and their unique situations, we help brainstorm a solution. And that includes that we can arrange, if they're on campus, we can arrange a private space for them. But that also includes that if they're at home, a lot of students do things like go in their cars or go for walks and all of this then brings the Wi-Fi into question. But that's also why it's not all Zoom. We can do phone. So there's so many details that a student might not think through that we have now thought through in order to keep continuity of care going with so many students. The other thing is that I hope that every student is aware that if they are in a situation where they just don't have any audio privacy, like they cannot use their voice out loud, that we have with some students use the chat feature in Zoom. We don't encourage it if it's not necessary, but we'll make use of it if needed. And this isn't through us, but if a student really has very little control or they feel like their technology is monitored, then all they need is a phone and they can use the national service called Crisis Text Line. Text 741741. A student just needs a phone and texting capacity and they can talk to a counselor, which obviously isn't the same as when you come to CAPS where you can get your own assigned counselor who then knows your story and then you can work with regularly. But all students should know that um, Crisis Text Line has now been around for several years and is an excellent service for students who really feel like they have zero privacy but need somebody to voice what's going on to. Julian alluded to the benefit of having a regular counselor at CAPS who knows your story. But Amna, a recipient of CAPS's services, has now been told that CAPS is only for the short term and that if she wants to continue her treatment, she should look for resources off campus. In spite of this, she has another two years left and continues to pay the comprehensive fees. I feel like CAPS changed recently. Before they were like much more like open and inclusive and like they would cater to students more. But then recently when I went, they were kind of like, oh, we're only here to solve short-term problems. And so we suggest you see somebody at like the Crosby Center or somebody else instead. That's not exactly an option for everyone. And they tried their best. They referred me to like a couple of different places. They were like, we're going to try to figure something out for you. But nothing ended up happening. Finding someone that fits is also very difficult. It really bothers me because that's not exactly how they were advertised to us in the beginning. Back in like 2016, 2017, it wasn't like that. I reached out to Julian to get his response on this. And he said, quote, Every student has a unique situation, and all options for care are explored as part of the student's care plan. If a student is concerned about the treatment recommendation they received at CAPS, they should call CAPS to discuss those concerns. End quote. CAPS's services are still a great resource for those starting off on their mental health journeys. So, what all does CAPS have to offer? I asked Julian if he could tell us. And what services do you offer? Could you just give a list for people who might not know? Absolutely. So we offer uh, 
individual counseling, you know, one-on-one -on -one meetings with the counselor. Students come in for the initial consult and we find out what is going on for them. And we explain to students when they come in for the initial consult, tell us what they're concerned with. We run through the options that are appropriate for what they're dealing with. We offer medication management and psychiatry service for students for whom that's appropriate and decide with their individual counselor that that's something they're interested in. We, over the summer, vetted all the ways to do groups, and so now our entire catalog of group programming is up and running, and this ranges from skill workshops on anxiety, mood management, we've added one for sleep. We also do mindfulness meditation, and then we have support groups. We have a women of color support group. We have an LGBTQ support group. I run a group called Chaotic Backgrounds for students who come from challenging home environments as well as we offer graduate and undergraduate what we call process groups, where you are in a group with five to seven other students and a counselor facilitates it. And the whole range of anxiety, depression, relationship issues can get discussed in those groups. This really makes sense on some level. We are finding our groups to be highly under demand right now. And we think it's not just because of the clinical aspects of the groups. We think it's also because a lot of students are really grateful to have the social interaction that comes with groups right now. So we've put all of these things online and we don't bill insurance. Everything when a student comes to us is not only confidential, but it's free of charge because of the comprehensive fees that students pay. It's very comparable. What's hard to measure is we're not offering our services in the exact same format. We love our normal walk-in service that normally exists, that a student anywhere on campus in normal times can go, this is the day that I have time to go visit CAPS. And they can just walk up to the second floor of the Student Health Center and they might have to wait five minutes, 15 minutes, but they will get to talk to a counselor the day they walk in. And it doesn't have to be an emergency. It can just be, this is the day that I had time to check out CAPS and let me go talk to somebody. That's our normal pre-COVID service. To be in a line with public health recommendations, we have paused that service because we can't control volume using that walk-in service. So everything is on the phone right now. Students have to call us to get started so we can arrange the best service for them. Now students can go on our main webpage, stonybrook.edu slash caps, and they can schedule that initial slot online. And I did want to touch again on the fact that you're not doing walk-ins anymore and yeah. people have to call ahead of time. Say mm -hmm. there is a student who's at a critical point and they need to speak to someone right away. Yep. Is that possible? Absolutely. They just call and they, and they will say that. And in fact, they'll be asked that. Is this something where you need to talk to someone right now? And we will get them somebody right away. And lastly, how do you see this affecting the future of CAPS? What we now know, and this is very exciting, we now know that because COVID allowed us to fully develop the telecounseling platform, the telecounseling is not going anywhere. It just means we are going to have more choices and options for students to engage with us in picking the type of treatment that best fits their needs. And so one of our challenges is being sure that we get um, enough services to, for example, students on our Southampton campus. Well, we now will always have an option for our students on the Southampton campus in a way that's accessible. We have students who struggle with disabilities who physically getting to CAPS has been an issue. 
we now have such an adept, such a convenient for them option. We've always had options for trying to figure that out, but it can involve more time for a student than just a 30 minute or 45 minute appointment in terms of how to get here physically. We now have an option. We now have an option on those terrible winter days for students who don't wanna to walk to us from the Roosevelt Quad. This gives us so many options to make sure that students can engage continuously in their care compared to a number of the interruptions that could happen when solely dependent on getting here in person. So that's how we view it at this point, that when done with COVID, we, uh, we have a toolbox that's just that much wider. on CAPS, you can visit their webpage at stonybrook.edu slash CAPS, or you can call them at 631-632-6720. To sign up for the Humanology Project's weekly newsletter and receive their weekly mental health resources, you can email humanologyproject at stonybrook.edu. Thanks for tuning in. Stay well.